You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. of 2020. How good does that sound that we're turning the calendar to a new year? And let's just pray that we are moving into good times and getting rid of so many of the horrific memories from 2020. Hey, we're brought to you by Roy's Umbrella for all of your home loan needs. You know, interest rates are unbelievably low. You got to take advantage Start your loan process as soon as possible because I've been told that the delays are coming as it pertains to turnaround time. Hey, at Roy's Umbrella, there's no nonsense, no tricks, no hidden charges at the end. For all of your home loan needs, go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. All right, today on the show, we're going to go and look at all of the events that kind of stood out from 2020 on Friday. We're going to play sound from some of my previous podcasts, things that really stood out to me. I think you're really going to enjoy that. As always, subscribe. Please leave a comment. Pass the word along. I greatly appreciate it. So when you think of 2020 and you go back to January 1st, that's right, New Year's Day. And when the news came out that former NBA commissioner David Stern had passed, kind of was an indication of what was to come for this year. You look at David Stern, what he accomplished as commissioner. To this day, he is regarded by many as the greatest sports commissioner to ever live. It was an absolute pleasure getting to know David Stern. And when you talk about the Sacramento Kings still being in Sacramento, it's David Stern. Without David Stern, the Kings would not be in Sacramento. There would be no Golden One Center. There would be no Doko. Plain and simple, David Stern allowed Kevin Johnson to make it happen. David Stern is the reason why there's basketball and a rejuvenated downtown in Sacramento. One of the great stories that I had about David Stern, I had gone to New York at the Tribeca Film Festival for the releasing of the 30 for 30 down in the Valley. And it was a phenomenal, phenomenal job done by the director, Jason Hare. Unfortunately, that never aired by ESPN. But there are those 
not only that evening in New York at the Tribeca Film Festival, but there was also a showing in Sacramento later that summer before what was scheduled to be the release of the 30 for 30. And that was a just a great night. There were so many dignitaries there, you know, David Stern, Kevin Johnson, uh, so many others that played a, a, a such a big role in keeping the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento. But the most amazing story that I want to share about David Stern is that summer, all right? Now, the premiere was in April, the end of April. And in August of that summer, my wife and I were in Switzerland. And we're at this tiny little village in Switzerland, Bengen, up in the Jungfrau region, all right? And I mean small. I'm talking about a very small village, Bengen, Switzerland. And we're at this hotel, and my wife says, David Stern's over there. I go, get out of here. She says, that's David Stern. And I'm like, get out of here. There's no way David Stern is here. So I get up. You know, we were at breakfast. So I get up, and I walk over to where the croissants and the rolls and the breads are to see if it's really David Stern. And I'm standing there for a couple seconds, and I say, David? And he looks at me, doesn't say anything for like two seconds. He goes, Grant Napier, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I was just going to ask you the same question. So we chat for a couple of minutes, and then he goes back to his table where his wife was, and I go back to my table. And a couple of minutes later, he walks over to us, and he says, Grant, I have a favor. I said, sure. He goes, please don't tell anyone that you saw me here. I said, of course not. I won't. He said, yeah, I just, this is our sanctuary. I come here every single summer. He goes, this is our sanctuary. And I'm just like, David, don't worry about it. And I was thinking about David Stern in Wengen, Switzerland, every year, small village where nobody knows who he is. And such a, I, I can't even, it was such an unassuming hotel. It was just quaint. There was not a lot around, not a lot around it. And it was just so neat to kind of share that with David Stern, that arguably the most famous sports commissioner in America could get away, find his little oasis on the globe where no one would bother him. And January 1st, what a way to start off 2020 when we lost David Stern. I'm so grateful that I had a chance to meet David Stern. I'm so grateful that I ran into him in Wengen, Switzerland. And I'm so grateful I'm able to share that story. But little did we know that that would be the beginning of a tumultuous 2020. Three and a half weeks later, the Sacramento Kings were in Chicago. And the team was at practice. And practice had just concluded. And we take two buses to go to the airport because the Kings were playing in Minnesota the next night. And again, the team, several of the players had gotten on the first bus. Again, practice had concluded. And I was sitting in my customary seat in the fifth row to the left as you walk on the bus. And somebody turned to me after I had been sitting on the bus for about 20 minutes. And again, we were stationary. We were waiting to leave 
the gym that the Kings were practicing in. Somebody in the traveling party turned to me and goes, did you see that about Kobe Bryant? And I'm like, what? And he said, they're reporting that he was killed in a helicopter crash. And everyone that was on that bus obviously went right to their cell phones and we tried to gather information. And then the bus left to go to the airport at Chicago Midway. We were flying to Minnesota. The Kings were playing the Timberwolves the next night. And you're on the bus and information was coming out. Uh, I don't want to say fast and furious, but you kind of got the idea after seeing a couple of items that the reports were indeed true. Now, there were a lot of, you know, misinformation going on there. I remember being on the airplane and, you know, it was being reported that Rick Fox was on the helicopter. And so, again, information was coming, but it was a little sketchy and it was a little contradictory. So, you know, the first thing in, in any type of, you know, news source, any type of news item is, you know, the source is it a credible source. And before we got to the airport, it was very apparent that the news of Kobe, his daughter and the others, that it, that it did occur and that on January 26th, we had lost Kobe Bryant and eight others. And I'll never forget, it was a fairly sunny day, fairly mild day in Chicago that January 26th and the buses pull up to the, the plane and the, the people on the first bus get off and then they get on the plane. We get off and we have to show our ID and get, and there are only a few people that get screened. It's done randomly just outside the steps of the airplane. And I'll never forget walking up the steps of the 757. Now, we normally would enter the aircraft on a 757 about one-third of the way down the fuselage, all right? But because we're in Chicago and we walked up the actual stairs of the jetway, all right, and we did the screening up there, and that means that we entered the aircraft from the nose, all right, the very first door of the fuselage. And I walked on the plane, and the players sit up front in the first cabin. And it was the most eerie, silent, solemn, somber scene that I've ever witnessed in my 32 years of traveling in the NBA. Nobody was moving. Nobody was getting any food, drink. Nobody was doing anything other than sitting in their seats in complete shock and silence. And then the next cabin are where the coaches and some of the other team personnel sit. And Luke Walton always wears a baseball cap when he travels. Of course, Luke, teammates of Kobe, very close with Kobe. And I walked through and I took a look at Luke. And his head was down. And I could see the tears. And I walked by and I just put my hand on his shoulder. 
And I kept going back to where I normally sit. And it's a short flight from Chicago to Minneapolis. Maybe an hour. Nobody got up on the flight. Nobody went to grab the customary hors d'oeuvres and snacks and drinks. We were just in shock. There was some talk before we took off in the back because there were different reports coming out, but it wasn't a lot of talk. Again, I remember vividly the report of Rick Fox being on the plane. And we were just trying to confirm with others back there on the back of the plane if they had heard the same thing. And again, that flight to Minnesota was, I mean, nobody moved, nobody talked. It was, it was, uh, it was a scene that I'll never forget. And I remember getting to Minneapolis and there's a lifetime fitness right across from the hotel. And the next morning, the day of the game, I'm at the Lifetime Fitness Center. And I'm on one of the machines, and Luke comes walking by. And we chatted for about four or five minutes. And he shared some stories to me about Kobe and what it was like being around him. And it was just, you know, I could not believe the conversation that we had and, and, and how Luke just wanted to share his fondness and his appreciation and his love for Kobe Bryant. And then getting ready for the game that night and doing the pregame set and the intro and the moment of silence. I didn't know Kobe Bryant very well. I only met him twice. The last game that Kobe ever played at Arco Arena. I was doing my radio show courtside, like I always do. And Kobe always gets to the arena early. So it was probably 435, 440, right around in there. Seven o'clock game. And here comes Kobe walking through the tunnel. Now, in order to get to the visiting locker room at the old arena, you would walk across the court. And I was really hoping that Kobe would walk in front of me. And there were a lot of cameras and people trying to, you know, again, the, uh, the arena is quiet. There's no fans in there. But again, the media knows Kobe's coming and it's a big deal. And Kobe Bryant had a, a, uh, a coat on and he had a stocking cap on. And, you know, it was cold that day in Sacramento. And Kobe starts walking along the sideline in front of where the Kings bench would be. And I'm, I'm doing my show live now. I'm not on a commercial break. And Kobe continues to walk, and he walks right in front of me. And I go, Kobe. And he turns, and he walks over to me. He extends his hand. I shake his hand, and I say, I just want to thank you and how much I appreciate you. Because Kobe Bryant was responsible for more pain there was no one in my 32 years, nobody, not Jordan, not Shaq, not Magic, not Nowitzki, not Nash, not Garnett. I can go on and on. There's no one that put more daggers into the Sacramento Kings than Kobe Bryant. There's no one that gave me more pain and more anguish 
of a love of a basketball team than Kobe Bryant. And I just wanted Kobe to know how much I appreciated and respected him because the guy played to win every freaking night. And the guy played the game and did not cheat the fans. And for that, as much pain and as much anguish and heartache, I just had to respect the hell out of him as a basketball player. And I'm so happy that I had the chance in that moment to shake his hand, look him in the eye, and say thank you. That was January, and what a way to start off 2020. So we go from David Stern to Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the others that perished. You try to get back into sports, but how hard is it? You got the Super Bowl at Hard Rock Stadium in South Florida on February 2nd. A huge ceremony and moment of silence for Kobe before the Super Bowl. And you look at that game for the 49ers. They had an amazing team with a great defense. And what happens in the fourth quarter? They get outscored 21 to nothing in the final six minutes and 13 seconds. And Andy Reid gets the monkey off his back. He wins the Super Bowl. Mahomes is the MVP. The final score of 31 to 20. It just goes to show you what happens in sport in the National Football League. You go from being on the cusp of winning another Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers, and here you are, and you're not even in the playoffs because your team has been decimated by injuries. And I look back at that Super Bowl, and I know a lot of people are criticizing Garoppolo, but to me, that defense needed to get some stops there at the end of the game. That's what got the 49ers to the Super Bowl. I blame it on the defense more than I blame it on Garoppolo. Yes, did he miss some throws? Absolutely. Did he miss Kittle a couple times? Absolutely. But that defense did not get the job done in the final six minutes and 13 seconds. So then we move forward to March 11th. March 11th, doing the radio show at the arena. The Kings are getting ready to play New Orleans on ESPN. And we're hearing reports that the city of San Francisco is not going to allow any more games to be played. And I'm thinking, wow, no fans at the games. Maybe no, the Warriors would have to find another place to play. The COVID cases are on the upswing. And I said that day in the middle of my radio show, boy, I'll tell you, if there's an NBA player that tests positive, that's it. The season's done. And what happened? An hour later, Rudy Gobert at Oklahoma City tests positive for COVID. And our life changed forever on that day of March 11th. Our lives changed forever on that day. The Kings had won 13 of 20. There was so much excitement. They had a legitimate chance of making the playoffs. And then boom. The season is suspended. And I remember standing on the court, getting ready to do the telecast of the Kings and the Pelicans. That game was getting ready to start late, 7.30. And I remember the Kings coming out on the court. And I remember, wait a minute, where are the officials? There's no referees on the floor. And one of the officials had done the game in Utah two nights earlier. 
And they were worried about, gee, was he around Rudy Gobert? Where they spread the virus, blah, blah, blah. And then the game was postponed. And I knew the game was going to be postponed as soon as I heard that story about the official. And I, off the top of my head, I can't remember the official. And that's not important. And so, standing there, knowing that the game would not be played before they announced it, it was very eerie for me because I knew that I would be going back on TV and what would I say and how I would say it. You know, I wanted to make sure that I had everything ironclad correct because the one thing you do not want to do when you have a microphone in front of you is pass out incorrect information, especially when it comes to a story of that magnitude. So I was going over in my head what I was going to say, how I was going to say it, and I was going to make sure that I had all the information correct. And I remember walking out of the arena and no idea, no idea that that might be the last time I ever walk in the Golden One Center, which, again, that's the furthest thing from my mind on March 11th. No idea that that might be the last time that I ever broadcast from that arena. Seeing some familiar faces on the way out and just saying, hey, hope to see you soon. And I remember getting in my car and just like the thoughts that are going through my mind and everyone else's, what just happened? And so what just happened? We all went on lockdown, right? We were all on our homes. We all started, when I say all, I'm generalizing. We all started working from home. We started paying attention to our first responders and our frontline healthcare workers. And we saw the cases rise. And we saw what was going on in New York. And we saw the horrific pictures of the hospitals in New York. And we realized, oh boy, this is really, really bad. And it was bad. And we were confined to our homes. And life as we knew it changed. Really changed forever, did it not? And then we moved forward through April. No sports at all. No Masters. No basketball. Right? No baseball. We get to May 31st. And I'm sitting on my couch on a Sunday evening. I'm watching the news. I'm watching all the riots and looting going on around the country. And I just had a very sick feeling in my stomach. And I'm like, why the hell can't we all just come together as one? Why are we doing this? And it was so horrible. Obviously, on the heels of the disgusting murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And I respond to a tweet from DeMarcus Cousins. Hey, Grant, how do you feel about BLM? And I said, all lives matter, every single one. All lives matter, every single one. And I went through this on my first podcast. And if you are someone that did not get a chance to listen to all of my podcasts, just go back, go to the website if you don't like that with Grant Napier, and you can listen to my podcast. All lives matter, every single one. 
And I won't be too repetitive here, but I've gone over how I was raised. I've, I've gone over my foundation. I've gone over what is important to me in life. I've gone over how I live my life. I go over what's important to me. And I will always live my life that way. All lives matter, every single one. May 31st. Less than 48 hours later, my career, as I knew it, did not exist anymore. So I go through my weeks of June, just staying at home, processing everything that had happened to me. I took an enormous amount of time just to reflect. I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of phone calls, text messages, emails, social media. Uh, It was unbelievable. I had phone calls from those such as Charles Barkley and, you know, famous people, non-famous people. I had uh, just about every single broadcaster in the league call me or email me or text me. I had broadcasters in other sports reach out to me. I mean, it was unbelievable, the support. It was unbelievable. And that was a period of time that was uh, tumultuous and life-changing for me, to say the least. I mean, it completely turned my life upside down. And here I am doing my podcast. But that was May 31st. And again, on June 2nd, everything was done. Then the NBA got back to work. They had the bubble in August. And the Kings flamed out in the bubble. They were horrible. This was the same team, or was it the same team? It really wasn't the same team that we saw win 13 of 20 in March because of several COVID cases. Then De'Aaron Fox got hurt at the bubble. Then Rashawn Holmes. I mean, it was Marvin Bagley got hurt. He didn't play one, one, one play. And the Kings just flame out. They were horrible. And on August 14th, the Sacramento Kings saw Vladi Divac step down as the general manager of the Sacramento Kings. That's August 14th. And you move forward to September. Football's starting to get going again. You're going to try to figure out a way to play with no fans. Then in September 17th, the Kings hire Monty McNair to replace Vladdy Divots. The NBA is able to come up with an idea on draft, free agency, a start date. October, I start my podcast. I went through a summer where I did not know what I was going to do. I went through a summer where I had never even listened to a podcast until we were on lockdown in the spring and I used to go out for long walks and I started listening to Joe Rogan and I started listening to Dave Ramsey. I had never listened to a podcast before in my life, but during the summer, especially towards August and September, I'd be out in public or I'd have so many people reach out because they hadn't heard from me. I was off Twitter and they would go, you need to start a podcast. And I had never, I had never thought of starting a podcast. And it wasn't until like the second week of September at the start of football season 
where I'm like, you know what, I got to do something here, and I need to talk to the fans. I miss communicating with the public and the fans. That's what I love the most about my job. I love talking to you. I love talking to people in the grocery stores, at restaurants, on the golf course. I love talking sports. I love talking about the Kings. I love talking about the NFL. And that was such a void in my life. I missed that so much. And I figured out, okay, I need to figure out a mechanism and a way that I can communicate and people can hear me. And so, yeah, I started doing my podcast. And I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed the podcast. Uh, it's been it's been so nice to have some of the guests that I've had on and be able to get into issues. A lot of times that don't even have anything to do with sports. You know, like last week, Dusty Baker. How great was that conversation? You know, we didn't talk for 35 minutes about baseball and managing and playing. We talked a lot you know, about important social issues and what it was like for him playing in the Deep South. You know, Sean Salisbury talking about meeting Russell on Christmas Day on the side of a Texas highway. Are you kidding me? I mean, and we're going to re- we're going to play some of the sound on this coming up on Friday. But you think about that, right? My podcast and I think about the impact that it's had on just me, but really the impact that it's had on so many of you that have reached out. You know, I sent Sean Salisbury a message the other day. I had somebody reach out to me on Christmas Eve, all right? Christmas Eve. And I'm not going to say the name. Sent me a direct message. I'd like to read this to you. Hi, Grant. I just listened to the podcast with Sean Salisbury. And it moved me to tears. I am also going through a lot. Lost my family and friends due to a bad relationship, in parentheses, narcissist. Didn't know where to go. And found myself back at my mom's at 43 years old. I contemplated giving up. But after hearing Sean, I have found hope. I'm starting to work my way back to my family and friends who are my support group and who love me. Thank you for that. Thank you, Sean, for your words. And I forwarded that message to Sean, and he got back to me, and he was so appreciative that I sent him that message. I mean, who wouldn't be, right? He says, Grant, that message means a lot. Thank you. Love you, my brother. The respect I have for you is mutual. Merry Christmas. So I'm thinking about, gee, by doing this podcast, if I was able and Sean and I were able to change just one life, just even one life, then you know what? Everything happens for a reason. And I don't know. I'm not going to pat myself on the back or pat Sean on the back because I don't know. Maybe we saved that individual's life. He said he was contemplating on giving up. You know, there are a lot of people right now in this country that needed an arm around them. They need a hug. They need to know that they're important. They need to know that they mean something to others. They need support. They need to be uplifted. And if I was able, and Sean, if we were able to do that for one person, then this whole journey has been worth it to me. And then you move forward to October, the Dodgers win a World Series in a 60-game season, but it's still a championship. And now you move into, towards the end 
of 2020 and you think about, okay, where are we heading? When the calendar hits midnight on the 31st and we start a new year, what does that really mean? Does it mean all the bad things that happened in 2020 aren't going to happen anymore? Or do you look at this if you're a golfer and you play awful on the front nine and then all of a sudden you tee off on number 10 and you have a tremendous nine holes and yet it's you're the same person on the same damn golf course with the same damn golf clubs and you're 12 to 14 strokes better or 10 strokes better on the back than you were on the front. What's 2021 going to be like? I really hope that for so many it's better. We hope that COVID becomes a thing of the past. We hope that people can get back to work. We hope that there's some normalcy. And I hope to see fans back in packed arenas, in packed stadiums. And what I do, talking sports and loving sports, I'm hoping we can get back to that on a very regular basis. So those are some of my thoughts of 2020. And I can't wait to put it in the rear view mirror and move forward to 2021. And just because we're changing to 2021, that's not, that's not an automatic, okay, everything's going to be fine now. Still got to keep grinding, folks. Just got to keep grinding. Do what, you do, do what you've done. And I've always said this. I said this on my first podcast. Think about making your community better. If you're one that bitches and complains, okay, that's fine. But you know what? Then do something to make life better. Help out your neighbor. Help out a stranger. Do something. If you can only give a dollar to charity, then give it. Make someone's life better. It does not take a lot to make someone's life better. Make that your goal for 2021. And again, coming up on Friday, we'll review some of the podcasts that I've had on. I think you're going to really enjoy that as we start uh, the new year. Time now to get to crowd question. You can go to crowdquestion.com. You can ask me a question, and maybe I'll answer it right here on the podcast. But first, I want to tell you that if you don't like that, it is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And you know what else they've done? They have just created and they have perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever. That's right. It's the new and improved lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-end ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, folks, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. And there's waterproof technology. allows you to groom in the shower. And you know, one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. Folks, if you're listening to me right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. Take advantage of that offer today. Manscaped.com, the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S. All right. NAPES now is going to get to some Q&A crowd question. And I really have enjoyed a lot of the feedback. You know, I've told you my favorite thing to do is communicate with you. I love to interact with the with the public. 
And I got to tell you, I've been getting some great questions. And if you want to sign up, again, it takes a minute. Just go to crowdquestion.com. Uh, Marcus Smith, should Brian Flores go with Tua or Fitzpatrick? You know what? Brian Flores is doing a great job. In, to me, he's the coach of the year. He said this the other day after Fitzpatrick came in and just saved the game. He said, hey, we're going with Tua, and if I have to use, you know, Fitzpatrick as my ninth inning closer, so be it. But that's the formula that's worked, and we're going to go with it. Personally, I didn't like when they made the change. I thought Fitzpatrick should have kept the job. I personally think right now, today, Fitzpatrick is a better quarterback. I think he's better able to handle what hopefully is the upcoming playoffs for Miami. But I get it. But to me, your best chance of winning is with Fitzpatrick. But Marcus, when you ask me, should Brian Flores go with Tua or Fitz? Go with what's winning. And they're winning right now. All right, Curtis, who are you impressed by in the Christmas NBA games? I don't watch any NBA games on Christmas. I did watch the New Orleans-Minnesota shootout, but I did not watch NBA games. And I don't really get too impressed early in the season with teams. It takes about 15 to 20 games before you know whether a team is going to be really good or not. So I, I don't get wrapped up early in the season on teams' wins and losses uh, because I don't think it's real indicative of whether a team's going to be real good or real bad. All right, Eric, what is your outlook for the Knicks this season? Does Tom Thibodeau have any chance for success? Thanks. I love the podcast. You know, Eric, I think Tom Thibodeau is changing uh, some of the things that he does in terms of interacting with the players. Uh, The guy's a tremendous defensive coach, but he's in New York. There's only one way to go, and that's north. Uh, I think it's going to be a while, Eric. I really do. The outlook for the Knicks this season is a non-playoff team. I just don't see any way in the world they can make the playoffs. All right. Aaron, Grant, did Harden's 44 points and 17 assists end trade talks? No, absolutely not. One game doesn't do or change anything. If they're going to try to train, excuse me, if they're going to try and trade James Harden, they're going to trade him. I don't know if there are any takers for James Harden. I wouldn't want James Harden on my team. I think I've said that uh, very often. I just would not want him on my team. I think he's too unreliable. And by unreliable, I don't want to put up with all the antics. And I don't want other players on the team being pissed because of the way James Harden feels he deserves special treatment. All right, Kevin, was the end of the Dolphins game the most entertaining five minutes of football you've ever seen? I wouldn't say it was the, and I was watching it, by the way. I wouldn't say it was the most entertaining I've ever seen. But yeah, it was great. Absolutely a phenomenal, phenomenal game. And, you know, when you look at Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, I mean, the guy was unbelievable, was he not? Uh, but yeah, it was it was pretty impressive. That was a hell of a football game. That was a hell of a uh, five minutes. All right, Isaac. Hey, Grant. I've heard you mention that you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. He's one of the few that I listen to that has an open platform and has different guests from all walks of life. People who are left and right. I enjoy listening to his objective opinions and different subjects around the world. Any thoughts since listening to him? You know what I like about him the most? He's real. He's just flat out real. You know, there's no nonsense, no crap. He's not trying to, you know, please anyone. He's not worried about offending anyone. He just says it the way it is. He's real. He's authentic. And that's the thing I love about listening to uh, his podcast. Ben asks, will Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray end up having a better career? I would say Wilson, because he's already had a magnificent career, and 
won a Super Bowl, been in another Super Bowl. Um, it's so difficult to get to the big game. I love Murray, though. What an athlete. Boy, how fun is he to watch? But I would say right now, I would take Russell Wilson having a better career. Tommy wants to know, do you think the Bucks are hitting their stride at the right time or the Lions just suck? I think the Lions are pathetic. I thought that was an embarrassing, embarrassing performance on Saturday. That was about as bad as it gets. Now, I know that all their coaches were sidelined due to COVID, and that, but that team didn't even look like they wanted to be on the field. Uh, that was awful. I would not pick the Bucks to win the NFC. But they're, they're there, right? That's all you got to do. Get into the show. And are you ever going to go against Tom Brady? But boy, how good did the Packers look right now? Hey, thanks for the questions on CrowdQuestion. Go to CrowdQuestion.com, sign up, and it takes about a minute. Today's rant is brought to you by New Works Plumbing. Locally owned in Sacramento for 20 years. Leak detection, water line repair, bathroom plumbing. New Works Plumbing is a full-service plumbing solution. No matter how small or how large your plumbing problem, they've got a fix for you. They're expert technicians. They're available 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs. Just go to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. I mean, isn't it fitting that we end the NFL regular season with the last game being the Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles and the pathetic, embarrassing NFC East. How about that to wrap up the regular season? NBC basically saying, screw you, NFL fans. We're going to make you suffer through three hours of Philadelphia, who's out of the playoffs, and Washington that has to win to win that pathetic NFC East division. The only thing that could make that game even remotely interesting is if Alex Smith comes back from his injury. That is the only way that I would even think about watching that game from start to finish. I mean, come on now. Are you kidding me? And by the way, if Alex Smith cannot play, the quarterback will be Taylor Heineke, who actually looked okay yesterday coming in for that pathetic, awful embarrassing Dwayne Haskins. But how about that for you on your Sunday night football to end the regular season? Washington and Philadelphia. And oh yeah, by the way, if you think that's bad, if the Giants beat the Cowboys on Sunday and Washington loses to Philadelphia, the Giants would win the division with the outstanding record of 6-10. and 10. If Dallas were to win against the Giants and Philadelphia beats Washington, then the Cowboys get in with their fabulous record as well. But we saw it years ago, right? Seattle, a 7-9 division winner at home, beat the 11-win New Orleans Saints. So I guess you just get in the show. And by the way, Raider fans, I want to put out this number for you because I keep on hearing about Raider fan this, Raider Nation that. You know, the Raiders suck. That's basically what it boils down to. And John Gruden is the most overrated coach in the National Football League. I've been saying that for years and years and years. Do you know that now John Gruden, the $100 million man, has a worse record than Jack Del Rio or Tom Cable? 
Del Rio, 25 and 23, winning percentage of 52.1. Tom Cable, for crying out loud, a winning percentage of 38.6. He was 17 and 27. Do you know that John Gruden now, in his third year with the Raiders, 18 and 29. How about that for 10 million big ones a year? How about that? As Mel Allen used to say, how about that? And that wraps up my podcast for 2020. Again, thank you so much. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect when I started this. I've had a lot of fun. Really have appreciated your support. Please subscribe, leave a comment, pass the word along. And on Friday to start the new year, we're going to have a lot of fun on if you don't like that as well. Again, folks, thanks so much for listening. If you don't like that, Grant Napier.